following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org. Welcome to Life Matters. I'm your host, Brendan O'Connell. Well, we scour the earth to find people that uh, are of, that want to hear their voices heard, uh, in particular pro-life voices from uh, conception or fertilization to natural death. And today we have a national and international known Christian social, political, human rights activist and an ordained minister in the Reformed Presbyterian Church. He's the director of the Christian Defense Coalition. We'll welcome Pat, Reverend Pat Mahoney. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to be with you. It's interesting with this uh, Irish Catholic name that people find out uh, that I'm a, uh, a Presbyterian minister. I remember I did a prayer walk through Ireland, and every event I went to, they would introduce, they would see Patrick Mahoney, pro-life leader, and they'd be there, Father Mahoney, it's so wonderful to <laughs> I, I took it as a great uh, upgrade, a great honor <laughs> I of moving, getting bumped up to first class. <laughs> well, now, we, uh, you were uh, in the uh, wars, the abortion wars, uh, for a long time with a, a good friend of yours who just passed away, Chris Slattery. Can you yes. tell us what it was like? Like, when did you first meet him and some of the events that uh, you uh, were with him that were notable? Well, uh, first of all, Chris was a dear friend. I met him in, in 1988. Um, we, um, we immediately hit it off. I was a pastor in New York City. Um, we, we connected. In fact, I had the honor of doing the eulogy at his funeral mass just around a Thanksgiving of 2023. And I, I have to say, Chris and I have been in the trenches over that uh, 35 year period on some incredible events. Uh, one of the first uh, major ones that it was just focusing with Chris, we partnered on the 1992 democratic convention in New York city when governor Clinton um, was the nominee and Brendan, um, the uh, governor Clinton launched this campaign the face of pro-choice America. And it was this national ad that featured young people all happy and were pro-choice. And after we were praying with Operation Rescue and other uh, pro-life activist groups, we felt that's not the face of pro-choice America. The face of pro-choice America are these precious innocent children. And so we got this campaign together. Someone had found an aborted child in a hospital. And 
they gave us this child and they believed that this child would speak to the nation. I remember I would being a Presbyterian minister. I got together with Chris and said, we felt we want to show Governor Clinton this child at the Democratic National Convention and do and do public engagement work standing against abortion violence. And I said, but as a Presbyterian, as an evangelical, I needed to meet with Catholic leaders in New York. Would this be a proper we didn't want to um, in any way diminish the life of this child? Would this be an improper use? And so he set up a meeting with uh, uh, Bishop O'Connell um, O'Connor, and we had a lengthy talk about it and we discussed it and he laid out some parameters and said, here's what you needed to do and make sure the child had a proper burial and all of this. So amazingly, um, I, I, it's such a long story, but to shorten it, a gentleman had the child. Governor Clinton used to jog back in the day, 32 years ago. He passed this gentleman who had this baby, which we called baby Nathan, named him after the prophet Nathan. And he invited Governor Clinton to sign a copy of the New York Times he had. And under the New York Times, uh, in this uh, this plastic see-through container, he had baby uh, Nathan. And when Governor Clinton came, he removed the New York Times and he said, Governor Clinton, this is the face of pro-choice America. What about the babies? And Brendan, it, it probably would have, uh, he would have denied it. Uh, President Clinton would have denied it. But there was an Associated Press photographer and USA photographer right there. And there's a historic picture of just inches away of Governor Clinton seeing the true face of pro-choice America, uh, which is the face of one of these 63 million plus innocent children in New York. It was, we were outnumbered. <laughs> I'll never forget. We came out of this church and we had a good crowd. We had probably seven or 800 people, but the mayor, I think uh, Dingle uh, was the mayor of New York city. They had a pro-choice March across the Brooklyn bridge. We come out of the church. There's 14,000 people wow. there. Um, they harassed us. We did um, rescues. We had incredible rallies. Um, we were throughout the entire city. We were out at the convention center. And Chris was right at the center of this. And Brendan, I think in, in talking about knowing Chris, people have to understand Chris Flattery was one of the most unique people I know in that sharing in a very public way day in and day out for 40 years the message of life in the most hostile environment out there. Chris was sued. He was imprisoned. He lost property. He, even to the time of his passing, was involved in federal courts. And I think it shows the incredible um, commitment that Chris first had to his faith but also these precious children. And Brennan, I'm, I'm a firm believer that it was the kind of heroic efforts that Chris put in day in and day out that uh, helped overturn Roe v. Wade. God honored that sacrifice. I love that Bible verse, grow not weary in well-doing, 
for in due season you will reap a harvest if you faint not. And Chris did not grow weary in well-doing in the face of the most hostile and um, horrific persecution and attacks. Right. In fact, uh, I keep seeing a, a number of between 40 and 45,000 lives were saved by him and his organization uh, expecting I, I shared that. I shared that at his, um, at his funeral mass, uh, and it was interesting. My wife and I, um, unbeknownst um, to Chris's passing, had just watched Schindler's List again. Uh -huh. And the end of the film, there's a line that says, generations will live because of what you did and what would, became known as the Schindler Jews, which were 1,600 of them. At the end of the film, they were now uh, grown up. They put stones on Oscar Schindler's grave. And I just, in my mind during the eulogy, recalled the 45,000 children that Chris had saved and the impact that they'll have for generations to come. And you can imagine that moment in heaven right. when Chris would meet those children, his heroic efforts. I mean, if a law enforcement officer, member of the um, fire department, um, saves five or 10 people in their career, uh, that's a lot. Yes. And Chris saved over 45,000. Uh, wow. He was, if you knew Chris, and I know you did, I, I said he was I, like Edward Scissor's hand. Like he had a phone glued to him. I, I hope those who view this can get this picture. I don't care where you went with Chris. We went hiking with him, out to dinner with him, amusement parks with him, on roller coasters with him. And Chris would have this phone and he'd be answering calls of women who were abortion-minded there was never not a time where Chris wasn't engaged in trying to save these precious, innocent children. And um, you just got to know Chris. Yeah. Like, wherever you went with him, <clears throat> he would break to get the phone. And that kind of dedication, that right. kind of love. And, and I found he was a, a quite innovative, too, a kind of pushing the envelope. Could you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Chris, um, I, I didn't believe, um, got the credit he deserved for being so far ahead of the curve. You have to understand, Chris, um, he was the, the, the kind of person, his commitment was in the work. So he wasn't the kind of person that would send huge news releases out or announcement of all the great work he was doing. And I think in the history of our movement, it's important to remember these kinds of heroes. So first of all, Chris uh, introduced ultrasound long before it became accepted and embraced by the pro-life community, the Pregnancy Resource Center movement and others. Chris partnered with hospitals. Can you imagine this? Because hospitals would make money having uh, delivering babies. Chris would actually partner with hospitals and perhaps one of the most innovative things Chris did, being in New York City, real estate being so high, rentals being so high, Chris got a mobile medical unit and he parked it right in front of the abortion centers. Years ahead 
of what happened. And the founder of Save the Storks spent time with Chris. And from his time with Chris and what Chris did, that birth saved the storks. Mm -hmm. And now many other pro-life, life-affirming centers and pregnancy resource centers have these mobile clinics. I'm a a founding member of Stanton uh, Healthcare. We have affiliates around the country. And we have a mobile medical unit right in front of the Planned Parenthood in Ontario, Oregon. So Chris was all... Um, was ahead in using apps and tracking people through Google ads and opening up Regis offices, which are these temporary office spaces. He was one of the first to bring in foreign interns to work with him and to share this message. And and I can tell you a story. I work in Washington, D.C. I've been on Capitol Hill for 32 years, but I live in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Chris spoke at a big international uh, pro-life convention that we were speaking at in Dublin, Ireland. And our head, uh, our nurse, the head nurse at a life-affirming center in my town of Fredericksburg, Virginia, Chris spent some time with her and made a couple of suggestions on how to answer the phone and how to deal with abortion-minded women on the phone. And she said that revolutionized our entire ministry. That spending time with Chris and hearing his um, experience, he was a wealth of knowledge. Um, Brendan, I think the most dangerous place uh, on earth would be the place, the air between Chris and I, who are both talkers. (laughs) And, And Chris always loved to share. Chris, literally, if someone gave him a phone call and said, hi, I'm in Erie, Pennsylvania, can you come help me? He was always there. Uh, you and I were talking before we got on air that the Dubliner uh, people joke around outside of the Vatican and the Catholic Church is the number three pro-life center in, in the world where <laughs> at the March for Life pro-life people gather at pro-life gatherings in D.C. they gather. And I just wish, again, your, your viewers could see when you went to the Dubliner with Chris and I've been going there for... Um, for 36 years, he people would just grab him at different tables. Um, it was like the president shaking hands when he came somewhere to talk, to share. Chris, with his trademark crocodile Dundee hat, would um, just talk. He, he was truly, I think, what our movement embodied and should embrace, and that was this collective community working together to make abortion unthinkable. And Chris uh, is just one of these heroes that I hope emerging pro-life generation leaders can can learn about. Now, um, uh, he was an innovator. What about uh, the, now, you, you were up in Boston, you were at the New York Democratic Convention in 2002, I believe, and Bill and Hillary, uh, I, I've done shows on, they were um, instrumental in bringing the abortion uh, pill, the chemical abortion to America, yes. uh, expediting the process and, and circumventing FDA rules and things of that nature. But 
You were also up in Boston where we have Bill Carter. I'm sure you know Bill. And uh, Bill's one of my dearest friends. Again, one of these just heroic pro-life leaders and his stance for spending almost 18 months in jail for just praying outside the uh, abortion clinic in Boston is so yeah. such a beautiful witness. So when you got together for the convention here in Boston, and I was uh, uh, really angry at uh, the American Psychological Association, came out a day or two before the convention, that abortion, they state that abortion doesn't hurt women, which right. I know is a complete lie. I've had so many women on this show talk about the emotional, psychological, physical danger, even death. Uh, that occurs uh, from abortions. Um, but what, what did you folks do when you were in Boston? What, uh, it, was there a sidewalk chalk thing? or? Uh, oh, yeah, we did it. So oh, we did tons of things in Boston, and we built around the theme of Boston. <clears throat> you know that the Boston Tea Party, Faneuil Hall, you guys up there have some pretty... Uh, heroic people in your own right. And of course, um, I'm a big uh, Sam Adams fan, and I'm not talking about the beer, I'm talking about his uh, heroic efforts. So we centered around that. We did sidewalk chalking around the garden where the, the convention was being held. We did, believe it or not, at uh, Faneuil Hall in that shopping area that is yeah. there. And Right behind Faneuil Hall, you have the Sam Adams statue, Faneuil Hall, and then behind it, this kind of little open area. We did a die in there. <laughs> like, What's there a are die? Tens of thousands of people, and we just said, this is what abortion is. This is how many children die. And we just had covered that Faneuil Hall cobblestone. I can tell you, it was a little rough on the back, Brendan, <laughs> yeah. uh, that cobblestone. Uh, so in a die, do you lie down on the ground? Is that what a die is? Yes, a die in. We we a represented we represented all of the children who are dying from abortion. So all of a sudden we had this huge crowd, and then they spread out and all went down on the ground, and we started chalking around their bodies, and then we unfolded huge banners saying these represent the children who died through abortion violence. And it was an incredible event. We had marches. Um, we had a federal lawsuit. We tried to hold a demonstration in front of then Senator Kerry's home um, on Beacon Hill. And uh, the city of Boston forbid us. They prohibited us. They wouldn't grant us a permit. And we went to federal court to sue over that. Chris was a part of that. Chris was a part of everything <laughs> he, he could be in. And, and Brennan, I don't know if you realize, but the 2000 Republican convention was um, was in New York City with George Bush. And we were there and we filed a federal lawsuit there and we won the right before they shut down Madison Square Garden and fenced it in. The last people there were the pro-life people and we had a beautiful prayer time and unveiling banners. Chris was a part of that. And I think, Brendan, maybe one of the best ways to show Chris's zest for life 
and desiring to be with people. He, he knew he was in stage four cancer of, of two different parts of his body for a couple of years. And he was having a difficult time moving around um, and getting from one place to another and getting very fatigued. And he always wanted to go on a safari. And two months before he passed away, he went to Africa huh. with friends and a safari. He, uh, I he, think he, he told was, me he was going to try to recruit some people, too, to, to work, come over to New York City to be in front of, you know, abortion clinics and things of that nature. But anyway, yeah, well, go, go ahead. It's not everybody that... <laughs> no, no, Chris, that was Chris bringing people to New York. Oh, I remember. Oh, this, I, I don't know how much time we have. This... Chris, as you know, Brendan, um, he could be fiery at times. <laughs> and That's an understatement. Let you know, <laughs> yeah, let, let you know how he felt. In fact, the bishop who opened up his, um, the funeral, his homily, he goes, Chris Slattery was not a nice person. <laughs> and what he meant by that, they wouldn't, he wasn't nice to Planned Parenthood at all. But we did a sit-in in Times Square. And we shut down Times Square. Oh, and wow. Chris's daughter, oldest daughter, oldest child, Mary Frances, sat in with us. We all went down to, like, the tombs and were arrested. We, we just shut down Times Square. And we said, as long as children are dying in America, America needs to know. We had a large group. Well, what happened was the Department of Child and Protective Services came to Chris and Eileen's home and spent several days there, um, several visits, not several days, several visits, really kind of harassing them. Why would you let, she was a minor, why would you let your daughter do this and this and that? And of course they said she made up her own mind. But I remember Chris going to me, if I lose my daughter, if, if the state comes in, you are in big trouble. Uh, but um, I, just so many fond memories and so many wonderful things. And, and Brendan, it goes to show the pro-life movement. Um, I'm from a, um, a large Irish family raised on the nor North Jersey Shore of Six. And we're feisty and we love each other and we're unique. I had five siblings but we're a big family. That's the pro-life community and movement. We have many large personalities like Chris. We have some people who work behind the scenes, making things for pregnancy resource centers, baskets to help women, putting things together. We have people in the political arena, people in the advocacy arena across the board. And Chris represented the beauty of our movement, how diverse we are, um, he had an intern home. He was so far ahead of the learning curve. And I have to say, um, I definitely personally miss him. Um, I mean, I need someone calling me at 11 o'clock at night to yell at me. I mean, <laughs> with Chris, I mean, with Chris gone, who would I have? And he was always funny when I was on TV uh, doing an interview or some media thing. I could be sure he had great advice, but Chris would go... You know, he would always offer, the, I remember once we had these pit, bright pink signs and he goes, oh no, 
you, you, you should never use those pink signs again. So I, I, I think in our next Why did phase, he say that? He just thought it was the wrong color. <laughs> Listen, he just thought it was the wrong color. Like, like you needed a better color than that. Like you, yeah. you know, that that's Chris. That's that's if you know Chris, mm -hmm. you know that's how he was. Um, just like that. But Brennan, I think he embodies. We overturned, saw Roe overturned, and now our next goal is to make abortion unthinkable. And we are in some challenging times. We have not done well in statewide initiatives. Uh, we just heard that Florida now has gathered enough signatures to uh, put it on the ballot in Florida. I know there's a that's being contested. But it is Chris paved the way. And I think it's important. I wish Joe Scheidler made it. Um, yeah. But it was great that Chris outlived Roe v. Wade. Roe yes. v. Wade ended before Chris did. And now his seeds, his vision, um, his heart is, is now can be imparted to these young 25 and 28-year-old um, activists, students, leaders, and follow in his, in, his, in his footsteps and his courageous effort to end abortion. I see. Well, he'd surely, surely be missed, just like uh, Joe Scheidler is certainly missed. And, yes. Um, and others. Uh, uh, Dr. Wilkie out of Cincinnati. Also of course. Was a great, uh, a great leader. And, and Nellie Gray, I mean, that, that, that first, yeah, I was a teenager when I met, uh, to let you know, I've been involved in the movement for 51 years, but I was 19, 20 when I got involved. And these were people that I admired yeah. and looked to. I know Chris, Chris was a year or two younger than me, um, but yeah. these are people that we respected right. and, and looked to. And looked up. Well, thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate it, uh, Reverend Pat Mahoney, for being on the show. and giving Oh, my us pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, giving us a, a sense of our good friend who's now deceased, uh, Chris Slattery, uh, certainly uh, a, a leader in the pro-life movement here in America. And folks, sure. we hope you found today's show to be unique, informative, content-rich, truthful, and thought-provoking. My name's Brendan O'Connell. Thanks for watching. I'm your friend for life. The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org.